This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Elon Musk took over, purchased the company, and uh, began running it. I don't know that any of this has necessarily been good for the company or good for Elon Musk or, frankly, good for Twitter users. It's been a bit of a circus, honestly, and it's hard to see where there's any kind of a plan or a strategic vision here. Anyway, so there's been a few things in recent days, like yesterday, Elon Musk posting this poll. Not sure what that was about on whether he should uh, step down as CEO. The verdict seems to be yes. I don't think that's going to happen. There was some controversy as well over the weekend after Twitter decided they weren't going to allow links uh, to other social media platforms, which was odd. The big story last week involved numerous suspensions of journalists uh, regarding coverage of a Twitter account known as ElonJet and some debate around doxing, or at least what is doxing. As I understand it, doxing is revealing personal information about somebody. Like, for example, somebody's address. The account ElonJet was basically tracking the location of Elon's private jet. Now, these, this is all public information when it comes to flight records, uh, etc. Flight tracking, there are numerous websites where you can track all sorts of different flights, including private jets. Now, after initially saying that uh, he had no problem with Elon Jet, Elon Musk came down hard, suspended that account, and then ended up suspending journalists who were covering the story and linking to Elon Jet. Now, part of the reason is that Elon claimed uh, that as a result of this information, there was a confrontation with his security team and an alleged stalker, somebody who jumped on the hood of a vehicle where Elon Musk's young son was inside. As we understand it, though, uh, this took place 23 hours after the Elon Jet account had last located the Jet's whereabouts. But Elon Musk described this as posting real-time assassination coordinates. So this has been an interesting saga. Now, one of the journalists who got caught up in all of this and covered the story was uh, kicked off of Twitter, but is apparently back. Aaron Rupar is an independent uh, journalist. You can read uh, more from him at AaronRupar.substack.com. And I guess, Aaron, you are back on Twitter. Is that correct? Yeah, I am. Uh, thanks for having me on, Rob. Well, I appreciate I you joining us here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was reinstated late Friday, so it ended up being, I think, about like 28 hours um, I was banned from Twitter. So not exactly, um, you know, it's not exactly like, like I had to endure some great hardship here, as it turned out. But um, and in some ways, it ended up be, being a big positive for me because I spent the whole weekend doing TV hits and talking to people like you. So it's brought a lot more yeah. attention uh, to my work than I think probably anything else that's happened in my career. So what else do we need to know about this story? And, and where, where do you fit in here? Well, you know, somehow I ended up on Elon Musk's radar. Um, my newsletter, you know, I've done a number of articles criticizing the way that he is uh, managing Twitter, kind of criticizing his politics, unpacking his politics a little bit. Um, he's replied to a couple of my tweets over the months. But um, I was one of the journalists, as you mentioned, who posted a link to this Facebook page that he doesn't like that tracks his private jet. 
And um, all of us who were banned had that in common. But I think more importantly, we also had in common that we've been critics of Musk. And so uh, to me, it seems like he was trying to kind of put a chill on criticism of him by showing that, you know, he can ban people if he wants to. Uh, but, you know, the backlash was pretty severe. He posted a poll asking when we should be unbanned, and the results overwhelmingly were that we should be unbanned immediately. And now, as you mentioned, um, last night he ran kind of a bizarre poll suggesting that maybe he's planning on tapping someone else to actually run the company. So, um, you know, it feels like developments are, you know, things are changing very rapidly in the story. Yeah, so permanent suspension ended up being a, a couple of days, which sort of is kind of emblematic of just what seems like a constant whiplash with uh, Elon Musk and, and Twitter. Uh, so when you were covering the story, then first of all, wh- why did you think that this was an important story to cover? Well, see, that, that's kind of the funny thing about this whole thing is I wasn't even really covering the Elon Jet story at all. Um, what had happened was on Wednesday when Elon banned the Twitter account that was tracking his jet, I simply posted a tweet saying, hey, you know, if you were following this account, it might be banned here, but it's still alive on Facebook, and I linked to the Facebook page. So I I didn't, you know, this wasn't any sort of, like, big investigation. I was just noting that, um, you know, there was a certain irony there as well, where Musk not only said uh, very directly that he was fine with that account remaining on Twitter, but he, of course, has portrayed himself as this huge proponent of free speech and robust speech and, you know, more speech being the solution to problems, not moderation. But here he was having even... Uh, you know, being even more eager to ban an account than Facebook was, um, which makes sense because the information that this jet tracking account uses is all publicly available information. It's not like anybody is stalking him or tracking his, his movements in any way that goes beyond just using public data um, and setting up a bot to track him. So that was basically my only involvement in the story was posting that link. But I think, you know, again, I was on his radar for being critical of him. Um, in other respects, and so I think, you know, it, it made me an easy target for him. Right. Now, look, you know, the issue of doxing is a serious one, and we've seen incidents of, of it in the past where, you know, individuals or even in some cases reporters have, have been targeted. It's certainly meant as intimidation, like here's the personal information, here's somebody's address, or here's where they work, that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, we should be worried about social media platforms being used for that purpose. But was Was that going on here? I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open to the argument that there maybe is some sort of safety concern involved here. I guess what I would point out is that this information about where jets are traveling has been used in news reporting for decades, and I've never yeah. even thought of it in those terms. You know, when I posted that link, it never even occurred to me that there could be a safety risk there. I mean, I think you have to kind of keep in mind how large airports are. So if you know that someone's plane is at an airport, that's not exactly useful information to try and find them necessarily. Um, you know, they're like small cities, basically. And then Elon pointed to a specific incident where he claimed that someone was stalking his children. Uh, but I saw some reporting last night that, you know, people have used uh, geolocating of the video that he posted to kind of, you know, back up this allegation that it actually happened like 20 miles away from any airport and the day after um, his flight had landed there. So, you know, it kind of appears he was misleading people about that. Um, I don't know what the full facts are there, but, you know, my my suspicion is that this had more to do with him being embarrassed um, that someone was tracking his flights than any sort of real safety concern. But, you know, if there is a real safety risk, I'm open to hearing about it. I just think, um, you know, the evidence kind of indicates that there isn't. 
Right. Now, what have you made the, of the experience that other journalists have, have gone through, those that were maybe closer to the story? I think there are some maybe who are still suspended, if I'm not mistaken. But what, what have you seen from some of your other journalistic colleagues? Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely now in an era on Twitter where um, you can't count on, you know, being able to log in the next day if you are a critic of Elon Musk. Um, you know, Lynette Lopez from Business Insider, I think, is the most egregious example where she has been suspended from Twitter and she's done media interviews saying that she has absolutely no reason why they haven't given her any sort of justification. Um, at least in my case, there was kind of this pretend reason, right, that we had endangered his safety in some way. But, you know, other reporters who are just doing investigations of Elon's companies are being banned seemingly just because of the work they're doing. So, I mean, obviously, it doesn't say anything good about the path that Twitter is headed down at this point. And so this whole experience for me as a journalist was a good reminder that it was past time for me to get busy on other platforms and to, to try to branch out a little bit. And so I got busy on Post News, have a nice uh, little toehold on there. And uh, when I have some more time after the dust settles later this week, I'm intending to get up and running on Mastodon as well. Yeah, they, this is, you know, an interesting dilemma for journalists, I think, here. I mean, ultimately, this is Elon Musk's platform. He owns it. And I guess, you know, he can operate it as, as he best sees fit. But it does provide uh, some value, this kind of a platform with this kind of a reach. So I think for journalists to, to be on it, to cover the ongoings there and, and journalists to just have a presence on Twitter for the reasons that have always been there, that it's a way to reach a lot of people, to keep people informed, to give people access to, to our work. So how do you think we need to approach it moving forward as journalists? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a very uh, tricky question. And, you know, in my case, um, as an independent journalist who runs a newsletter business, um, Twitter is my lifeblood. I mean, that's how, you know, I have 800,000 and some followers on there. And so that's basically my pool of prospective new readers and subscribers. Um, you know, one thing that this kind of taught me is that your followers will travel with you. You know, like I said, I, I quickly got over 50,000 followers on post, which is a drop in the bucket compared to my Twitter following, but it's at least a good start. Um, you know, I, I wish I had kind of a crystal ball to tell you, um, you know, what's going to happen or what the best way to contingency plan is. But I think all we can do based on Musk's very erratic behavior is kind of roll up the punches here. So um, I'm confident, you know, I think back when I was in college and then um, the years that followed MySpace, you know, was the dominant platform. And then Facebook kind of came along and then Facebook had its decline as well. So these things change over time. And you know, I think we'll just have to do the best that we can to adapt. Well, in the meantime, uh, you are back on Twitter. It's at A.T. Rupar, R-U-P-A-R. Uh, we mentioned as well the public notice uh, newsletter, AaronRupar.substack.com. Aaron, thanks for doing this here today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All the best. Uh, there you go. That's uh, independent journalist Aaron Rupar, who was uh, permanently suspended from Twitter, but uh, he's back on after a couple of days. So another weird uh, chapter in this uh, ongoing saga of Elon Musk and Twitter. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.